Hi, this is Vernon Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're talking about Babylon 5, Season 4, Episodes 12 through 15, Conflicts of Interest, Rumors, Bargains, and Lies, Moments of Transition, and No Surrender and No Retreat. Now, I wa- I, as I said before, I watched the whole season uh, over the weekend. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to rewatch these episodes, so I'm, I'm a little bit more fuzzy than Adam is, and he's going to prompt me. Uh, but I did watch them, and I, I enjoyed them. Um, but I kind of, I, I find when I do one of these blitzkriegs through the, uh, the, the episodes that my memory is not as intact as when I do one or two at a time. So, um, but anyways, I think, I think, with this part of the series we're getting to the point where that's not as meaningful anyways because you really mm-hmm. are getting this overall arc so i don't know why don't we start with just sort of you know your general thoughts on where we are and what's going on and we'll we'll go from there yeah okay so the uh the thread going through conflicts of interest here we have more of garibaldi this is the one where garibaldi has to return his uh link and his weapon and his id zach has to go take it from him which uh, he's pretty belligerent about. And he uh, then goes off to work for William Edgars, who uh, has a good kind of Charlie's Angels vibe where you just kind of hear his voice and he gives, you know, commands. And and there is kind of a Charlie's Angels connections in the show, right? Wasn't um, uh, Sheridan in uh, a television series with one of the angels? Or am I mistaken? Oh, yeah, you're right. He's Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's true. Yeah, we've got a, a concrete connection to Charlie's Angels. But, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's also the episode where Voice of the Resistance goes on the air. And, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I think this is a pretty solid episode. Uh, what, what did you think of this one? No, I liked it. I, I, I thought... I thought um... It was, you know, interesting sort of the scene with Zach and, and Garibaldi. And, and and like I've been saying, I think I think what really works about this Garibaldi arc is that uh, it's totally in keeping with his personality. And, it, and if we mm-hmm. hadn't seen that little bit with him on the spaceship, we would still believe what's going on. So I think that's a pretty clever bit of writing there. Um, yeah, it is. It is. And I, I like that. Yeah, and I like there's the mix of, I mean, some of the things he says when he's antagonistic make sense and some don't, you know, I mean, because there's a mix of it in this conversation with Zach, because, I mean, you know, him wanting to hold on to his weapon and getting pissed off about it, it's just like, well, you're, you are being unreasonable there, Garibaldi, but... Uh, yeah, I would agree, I would agree, but at the same time, it's interesting that every move they're making there is actually driving him further into whatever programming they've, 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 they've done to him so yeah it's uh i don't know it's kind it's kind of again i think it does get like it's obviously technically the right move to make but a smarter move might have been to just surveil him you know like like get like get some kind of uh you know and again garibaldi's he's sort of proven to be very effective at at figuring out when people are on to him but i i think i think finding somebody that can that can track garibaldi without him knowing would have been the more would have been better than directly taking his weapon and anything like that. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, and like, 
It's interesting, too, like Zach's relationship to Garibaldi, because Zach feels like he owes him a lot. He feels indebted to Garibaldi, and he's got a lot of guilt about it. It's like Garibaldi's completely playing him, like him having the backup ID that he was using after he turned everything in. He was still using stuff to smuggle things through. It's like Zach's totally within his rights to be furious at Garibaldi at that. But well, Zach Garibaldi's is, doing all kinds of illegal stuff in, the, in these episodes, or at least, I mean— as this yeah. arc goes on and he doesn't seem to, you know, he, 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 it's funny because initially it's very easy for him to explain, like you were saying, his, uh, uh, you know, his distrust of Sheridan and sort of the, the God complex that he sees emerging. But as he starts getting his own hands dirty, it's getting harder and harder for him to explain everything. And his explanations yeah. don't hold up as well over time. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he late in a coming upcoming episode here we'll be discussing. He, he kind of compares, oh well, you break away from Earth and everything. I well, look at what I'm doing, but it's like there's no moral context to what Garibaldi is doing. It's not like working for Edgar's is. I mean, it's it's a job and he's making good money. That's it, and he's doing illegal things to make money. There's no there's no component of oh we're trying to take down Clark or anything i mean it's just purely self-interest that he's breaking the law for you know it was um yeah so i mean it was um i mean it it was a good episode but it wasn't you know it wasn't um i i found the episodes that came after more more interesting personally yeah this Um, is this is just kind of setting things in motion you know and we have the whole kind of detour of ivanova going down to the planet and seeing Zothras again. And, Which was uh, interesting. That was weird because he, it sounds like there's more than one Zothras or Zothras is just a really sort of confusing individual who likes to... Well, dis- they already established there's multiple Zothrases, I think. Did they? Okay, uh, so can you explain this to me? Because I might, I might not be as on the ball with this detail as I need to be. I, I don't know if I can explain it. I, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I think, I think at some point they, uh, they did. They they had like they kind of hinted at the fact there was more than one but, Zothras. But, but is it? But but I guess what I'm wondering. So is it? Is it multiple Zothras? Like they're like a race of people that are all called Zothras, or is it? Is it like this guy has been in so many time periods? There's effectively twenty of them. At any oh, given time. that's a good question. It could be the same Zothras that time looped all the way back again. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah he, I mean, he started trying time traveling at such an early age that everything that they're all basically different people or something. Like I don't know. He's the, he's the impossible girl but <laughs> there uh, <you> go. <laughs> um yeah i don't know that's uh it's a good question i don't think i don't know that they ever do explain it that i recall I'm, but uh, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm he is a confusing individual definitely when i go back and rewatch it i will be paying more attention to the time travel stuff because <laughs> i feel like there's a lot of stuff that that can fly under your radar the first time you watch time travel plotline and yeah and and I'm wondering, there's got to number one, there's got to be inconsistencies because that always happens with a time travel plotline. But there's also yeah. got to be some interesting things that, that that have just been missed, like interesting connecting points that uh um that have flown over my head. So uh so yeah, so I don't know. I want I want to next episode. I want I I want us to devote a small segment to Zothras. I want us to do some investigation without getting into spoiler territory, but looking at the previous uh uh zathra stuff and seeing if we can we can we can we can get at anything through an entire zathras related episode i'm looking forward to it well but, uh... a segment a segment i don't know if <laughs> the whole 
but the, but the next episode, uh, Rumors, Bargains, and Lies, I think is the one that I really like. Actually, it's part of a whole arc, but I really started getting very interested with this one. So, yeah, wow. yeah, that's uh, the, that's the one where we really start getting into the Midbari Civil War plot line with uh, the land heading off there with the religious caste on their way back to Minbar. And uh, and also we have Sheridan going around doing his chicanery, trying to uh, to uh, get everyone to uh, support having his ships protecting them, and, uh, and using using his his news organization in a slightly dubious way in the process. But <laughs> is this the one where he um, where he he basically? acts as if like he doesn't want the the members uh to be part of his alliance and so he uh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, but but he makes it clear that there's something mysterious going on and he sends his men to shoot some asteroids in space and they're like well yeah. they must have invisibility there's something like what's going on and the, yeah that, that was that was fun i thought that was enjoyable um yeah it was fun i i i, I feel like sometimes the uh the league of non-aligned worlds get played too stupidly but it it worked it was it was an entertaining plot it, it, it did require a certain suspension of disbelief there it, yeah it was it was uh, I, I would agree with that um i mean it's kind of, one of those episodes where it's it's not so much sheridan being smart as them being really dumb but, uh, yeah I, I think but, that's uh, fair and uh, and this is the the, the Len plot with Naroon, right? We get we get. This more. is where Naroon shows up for the first time in this plot line. Yes. And how far do we get in this episode? Because I find I'm confusing moments of transition with bargains and lies. This is the one where the religious cat. Well, well, Delenn and, and Naroon make kind of make an arrangement that hey, we're going to work together. Then uh, the uh, religious cast thinks she's going to surrender. So they decide they're going to poison everybody mm -hmm. on the ship. And Lanier saves the day, and uh, and and also we get we we get the ending of this episode where Naroon actually yes. was tricking them the whole time, and he he uh, he goes back to the to the warrior cast with uh, I forget what he what he what he took from them. I think he took um, he took something. Well, he said he knows their plans now. Was, okay, he, he, he learned their plans, but uh, but of course, it seems we find out later it's it's a it's it's a double but, fake out trick. But but, uh, but but here's what was interesting to me with these two episodes, and Amazon is to blame for this. I watched this on Amazon Prime, and they have little blurbs for each episode. And I looked, I, I always kind of glance ahead accidentally when I'm looking at the episodes, and mm -hmm. for the upcoming episode, moments of transition. It says Delenn must make the ultimate sacrifice for her cast. And given all the stuff that's been going on with her and Sheridan, and then we see her talking with Naroon, I started to believe, oh, she's going to marry Naroon to smooth over the problems between the cast. That's oh, a really wow. weird direction. I didn't expect the story to go because it totally you know, derails the love, not derails, but it seriously complicates the love story between her and Sheridan. And so that would I was have been an interesting direction. Yeah. So I was like, wow, this is going to be crazy. Um, ultimately it didn't go there. Um, and I was kind of <laughs> glad it didn't cause I didn't, I didn't necessarily want that, that complication of the love story, but, uh, yeah. <clears throat> but, but it, it would, it, I mean, it would have presented serious challenges to their, uh, uh, to, to, you know, stuff coming, coming up in the future. But I but I really liked this. I thought that um, 
I, I, I'm enjoying the Mimbari Civil War plotline. Uh, it get it gets really dire in the next episode, but here I, I liked the politicking. I liked, uh, I I liked sort of the the lack of trust they had for Delenn and yeah. and 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 there it it was you know it was it was uh it was pretty it was pretty suspenseful because it seemed like they were they were they were willing to wipe out everybody on the ship just to prevent uh uh just to prevent. Uh, what they basically thought she was going to surrender to the warrior cast, and they, and 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 it was all predicated on them mishearing a snippet of conversation where she was saying the warrior cast uh, and the, that they both like neither side can win, um, and they just caught one half of what she was saying and thought that she was willing to surrender. Um, yeah. So I liked that. I thought that was a cool misunderstanding, and I and I thought that Lanier had a good moment at the end. But it's also, I mean, I don't know if this gets. Uh, if this becomes important, but they say like he lost a portion of his lung from. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we got some That's character serious. development too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I agree, and I yeah I I mean you know the religious cast people were being pretty stupid in that episode, but I, I it worked for me, and I and I, I think it thought the plot line really like you say Lanier's Lanier's dressing down of them at the end really was a good dramatic linear moment it really made that plot work for me i uh, i felt like he got a good earned moment there at the end and uh you know and it, it, it kind of deepened you know his relationship with the land the way he approaches it and so on i thought and uh, but yeah that's it, it's uh it, it, it's it's coming together. I, I, I mean, it is like you said. Everything's kind of building. We've got the alliance building with Sheridan, and uh, yeah. One thing I like is that everything that's going on in all these plots is that we're still every plot line, whether it's the Garibaldi plot line, or it's the Psychics plot line, or it's the Minbari plot line, or you know, Sheridan dealing with these with the Drock. It's like. Everything, everything going on now, all these multiple plot lines are all fallout from the Shadow War. You know, so it's like, it, even as scattered as things are, it's all radiating from the same events. All right, sorry about that, people. We had a small real-world interruption, and so I had to end the recording, so we're starting again. And we're going to pick up, I think we were getting on to moments of transition, so mm -hmm. why don't we start there? So this is a episode where uh, Bester shows up again, and uh, he shows up due to the fact that Lita has been looking for work because she's been left in the lurch. She has no way to pay for her housing anymore now that the uh, Vorlon government no longer is around to to pay for her accommodations, and uh, so he's going to try and leverage that, and. Uh, the other big plot line going on here, the uh, Minbari Civil War comes to its uh, conclusion in this episode. And uh, Naroon has uh, arranged a particular meaningful place to uh, hold the surrender of uh, the, uh, the religious caste, which puts everything in a new connotation and catches the uh, leader of the warrior caste off guard. And and yeah, so this was—I thought this was a great episode. This one really stuck out in my mind. So I oh, think I'd rather talk with about the small stuff first—not small, but the smaller plot lines. So, yeah. um, 
the stuff with Lita and Bester. Number one, I love Best. Bester is one of the best <laughs> characters in this show. Period. Um, uh-huh. And he, and he's good because I I don't know. I just I I, I he's a, he, he he can he, he walks this line between occasionally veering into the sympathetic, but then being such a terrible, awful person um, that I I don't know. I, I he, he's just a great villain. Um, he's very yeah. self satisfied, but he makes a lot of sense in my head. And he just he feels to me like he's like the ultimate sort of. He was a nerd who got pushed around and is like now lashing out at the world um, and abusing his position of authority. So I, I just uh, I, I just find him a, an intriguing character for a science fiction show, which you know is probably uh, you know the a lot a lot of nerds went went into making this series. I'm sure. So uh, yeah, no, he's he's a fantastic character and. Uh... And it's a really good Lita plot too. I, I really feel a lot for 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 Lita's plight in this episode. It's like it, you know, it's funny because you know we talked a bit about Sheridan before, kind of ignoring these you know important details of supporting people around him. And this one is so egregious from the standpoint that a couple seasons ago, you know. Sheridan got so outraged because Earth Force was going to make him start paying rent on his apartment. And he ultimately, like, re- rearranges the budget so that he can, like, take money out of combat preparedness to pay the rent rather than pay it himself because it's so, – but meanwhile, he's just utterly oblivious to Lita, who they could not have won the war without, you know. And she's in the, she's losing her home, and it's just – He's just, you know, whatever. He sends Zach to kick her out. <laughs> I, I really don't understand what that, like, I guess I guess they sort of explain it when Zach tells her in an earlier episode that, look, you were, like, close with the Vorlons. People don't trust you now. Like, that's basically what he says. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like, I mean, they know how useful she is as a resource. They can't, they can't, like, keep her happy. Like, even if they don't want to be friends with her, they can't keep her happy over you know, making sure that she has accommodations. Like, like it, they must understand that she could be... Okay, so they know that she's maybe more powerful than Vester. Like, mm-hmm. she's been modified by the Vorlon so that she's... Her her, psych, her psychic abilities are through the roof. Uh, she... Aren't they worried about making another Vester if they, if they mistreat her? That, <laughs> well, as you said, they're not particularly good at handling Bester, so yeah. being on their toes enough to worry about creating another Bester is a, a step beyond that. <laughs> well, I feel I feel like what's sort of going on, and I don't know how much of this is, is intentional, how much of this is plot convenience, <clears throat> how much of this are meant to be actual character flaws, but I feel like the team that is in charge of Babylon 5, for all their strengths and all the things that they're good at... Uh, they might have been the people who were incredibly successful through their whole lives, and and they're not and they're not good at spotting, you know, they're they're, they're not good at, at at helping the people that they might need to help to prevent them from taking very dark paths in the future. Does, yeah. is that, am I making sense well, with that? No, you're making sense. This is something that Sinclair would have handled well. He's yeah. the guy. He's the guy that brought Garibaldi in. He's like, well, Garibaldi's got a troubled past, but he's a good guy. He's smart. I'm going to bring him on board. Whereas, yeah, you're right. It's uh, and, and you know, and Sinclair is, you know, you know, you know, Sheridan. He 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 for he just is someone who's. He's, you know, starship captain, things have gone his way. Ivanov is similar. It's like she's a, 
you know, an up and coming big officer in, in Earth Force. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think you've kind of nailed it there. Here, here's here's like the high school comparison. I think like Sheridan might have been like head of the football team or something. And Sinclair would have been valid, valid Victoria. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's that kind of it, Sinclair has a broader reach than Sheridan does, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and and he has a little more empathy than Sheridan does. Uh, so so if it's intentional, I think bravo. It's good writing. Um, uh, if if if, the, if those are meant to be real character flaws that Sheridan has, it seems to be working because it like you said, it explains why he's not quite able to handle Bester. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but it also explains like you know you can see like Lita Lita is at a transitional moment in terms of you know uh, her direction in the story, and I feel like it's just very obvious that. A, a, a little bit of uh, just something to give her a sense of belonging to Babylon 5 would go a long way uh, to, to, to making sure she doesn't become bester in the future. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. I guess there's also maybe there is sort of just this inherent distrust any any non-telepath would have of a telepath in the setting itself that's a little hard for us to appreciate because we don't live in a world with people that have telepathy. So... Yeah, I mean it's a genuinely scary thing having knowing that you know that someone could just read your read your thoughts anytime. I mean it is unsettling. I mean, when she goes to Garibaldi, you know Garibaldi's standoffish at first too, and uh, but yeah, the whole plot with Garibaldi hiring her and then having to fire her because Edgar's makes him. It's like that. That was pretty crushing because it's, it's some of those things too where it's. You know, we talked about during the Jakar plot when he when he went off looking for Garibaldi. It's like, wow, there's this kind of promise of this plot line of 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 Jakar off having adventures in space, wandering around looking for Garibaldi, which gets cut abruptly short. And it's yeah. like, and I was I was really intrigued by the idea of ooh Garibaldi and Lita working together as kind of a detective agency. That's pretty cool. Like the inter- then boom, you know. The yeah, that was that, that was a little from- heartbreaking when that happened. I would agree. That was. Uh... Because I was like, okay, like, number one, it would take the story in an interesting direction because it kind of pairs her with Garibaldi and she's going to uh, she's going to go down that path with him. But ultimately she might, you know, they'll they'll, they'll come back together. But uh, yeah. but no, they 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 they've put an end to that. And uh, yeah, I also I like, like oh, go ahead. I feel like, you know, it's it's almost a deliberate because it's happened a couple of times in the show. I feel like Straczynski, it's like his way of, you know. By getting you emotionally invested in the idea of, you know, I want to see this happen, mm. it, it makes it, I mean, it would already be sad for it to happen to Lita anyway. We're already kind of, I, at least I was already invested in Lita's hardship. It, it takes something away from you, the viewer, mm. at the same time it's taking something away from her. <laughs> and it's not super heavy handed. Like, she's not like, it's not like in one swoop she she starts turning or anything. Like, we like over the no. course of this whole season, she's she's still intact as a member of Babylon five, but I can see they're planting seeds for something like it just is. It seems, and I don't know where it's going to go. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I have, I have serious concerns uh, about where things are going to go. Um, so, but also the, I mean, I think you might've mentioned this, but he ba- basically Bester goes to the ship and he gets her to sign some form where she, uh, and I don't know if this happens this episode or the following episode, but, uh, it was this episode, okay, yeah. where she uh, she agrees to give him her her 
her remains after she dies so he can analyze them. And he even includes a clause that, uh, you know, natural causes, uh, it has to be natural causes or it's, it's invalid, but I'm thinking I know Bester. Like, he can, he can simulate natural causes like <laughs> nobody's business probably. So I, I think she should have insisted on, like, I think she should have done it, but I think she should have insisted on, like, a, a 30 or 40-year minimum requirement so that so that bester now like it's in bester's interest to make sure she doesn't die and then he Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean that that would have been a really effective tactic i thought for lita to to use in that moment but i don't know yeah Um, yeah uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it, it is a very I mean, it, it's good. Cause it's, it's, it's a very small scale plot, but it's very emotionally involving an episode that also involves that, you know, the, the big, you know, culmination of a civil war. So it's it's impressive how well it stands next to it. But what's funny is that wasn't even why he was on the ship. Do you know what I mean? Like he, like that was just a bonus for him. I think he wasn't he on there for like Garibaldi mainly that was or. Or, uh, no, he was there for uh, Lita. That because he said he said that the reason he came was because uh, because he, they were getting that you know people were, were putting in background requests about Lita when she was putting in her applications for jobs. But wasn't but I mean uh, the whole was the whole wasn't I thought at the end he said that there was um, that getting her to sign that form was just a small bonus he wasn't expecting of all the good things that happened to him on his. Because maybe he's like, oh, I had a good yeah, day. Yeah, he already says that. I'm, I'm trying to remember how he... Maybe I got it wrong. Was... I, have, I might have it wrong. I might have it wrong, too. Yeah, I uh, I got to admit, I'm a little confused. Because, yeah, something was a bonus. Oh, I think I think it was just the bonus that he got. I think Garibaldi was the bonus. That messing, messing with Garibaldi and having messing with Garibaldi... You know, because he's he scanning Garibaldi was how he learned he was working with Edgars. Mm. And then he apparently, I get the impressions, contacts Edgars and has you know, has Lita fired. Okay. That was my, my take. I don't know that for a fact. Okay, because, but... see, my... And again, I'm. we probably should review the episode and, and clarify, but my my, yeah. um, my <laughs> memory was that because, because... And I'm sort of using my future knowledge here, but because Bester's main purpose is using Garibaldi to sort of get at the plot that's going on against the telepaths, I yeah. thought that his primary purpose that he was talking about was the Garibaldi management of and and that he yeah your your future knowledge is probably more valid than what i'm thinking because i don't remember the details of this very well you're so you're you're more knowledgeable on what's going on than i am so but but either way i liked how it ended with him where he's like i had a good day today and like because we get bester's log right it's like a bester's log thing which number one was kind of cool because it's sort of like you know they're, they're like chekhov sort of getting a chance to do that uh, you know, uh, so so it, feel, it feels like there's a little bit of a Star Trek thing going on there, but uh, yeah. but I, but I but I just just how you know I had a good day today. It's something about that, uh, you know, he he's a really great villain. I got to say, he's a, he's a tremendous villain. And um, and and speaking of antagonists, the big plot is Naroon's, and I thought I thought yeah. I love what they did with Naroon. That that to me was because it's sort of like you were saying he's. He's this character. He can always be a really good antagonist, but you always have like a degree of respect for it. Like you, there, there. Again, I, I think, I think they make. Very rarely are characters just one note in this show, and they're and they're not usually yeah. like, well, I'm just here to be the bad guy. Do you know? There, there's, uh, yeah. There's usually a little more to them than that, and so uh, I, I like I like how they handled Narun, and I like all the I like that he he does he he he. 
he's a good member of the warrior cast. He goes, I forget the leader of the warrior cast, but he goes to him and he's having a conversation with him about what's going on. And, and I mean, the, the warriors are really, you know, uh, running the, the, the religious cast into the ground here. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and they're for, and they force them to surrender. And he wants the surrender, like you said, to be held at that temple where they can, I guess they can, they can project the proceedings to every, uh, that's every the reason area. he gives, Oh, this will be good. You know, he presents that and the room presents it that way, you know, the upsides, but he, he kind of withholds all this information about the real reason he wants it. Yeah. They can project anywhere. And it's got the symbolic value because it's where we always chose our leaders back in the past, which is totally the truth, but it's, you know, withholding the important thing that the Len brings up, which is there's a, a, a terrible test involved. Yeah, there's like this, this, I forget what they call it, but there's a, it's like a trial by fire type thing where yeah. uh, you get incinerated and, and the goal is to be incinerated for your cast. It's, it's kind of like, um, I'm trying, I know there's like a, a million games we used to play when we were kids that are like this, where you're basically like, who can, who can withstand the pain of the fire the longest until yeah. they die? And the person who dies, it's like the ultimate game of chicken, I suppose. The person hands on a hard body. Yeah. That's what it is. But, uh, yeah, I, we used to, I mean, I, I used to live in Kuwait as a kid for a while. And I mean, it, 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 we, in school, we had like some of our gym stuff would be on the roof of our school. And it's like, in, in Kuwait, the roof the roof would get really hot, so we'd have to think where who could hold their hand down on the tiles the longest. But uh, I guess in in Massachusetts, you know, like going out barefoot in the snow and seeing who can stand the longest yeah, would be the that's, but, that's the equivalent. Yeah, but but in this one, you direction. die. You die and you win by dying, and then your cast benefits. That's the uh, um, that's that's the that's the the way the game not the game but the way that the test works. Right, it's. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think the the one who dies wins, and so and so yeah. So basically, Delen agrees to surrender, but then she's like, "But look, we got to do this test and see which cast should now lead," and and uh, and she steps in and she's uh, uh, you know uh, uh, and and the leader of the warrior cast is not willing to. Oh, uh, are you are you there? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the the leader of the warrior cast has cold feet. He's not willing to step in, and so Narun does it on his behalf, and and uh, well, not not on his behalf. He decides suddenly he, the calling of his heart is religious, so he does it and he jumps oh, cast. Yeah, but but what so. I mean is that the the reason he's able to step in is because he's going in as yeah. a uh, you know in his stead. But yeah, no, he, it's the ultimate move. It's you know you know I am I am warrior cast, but now I see in my heart I am religious cast, and uh, you know yeah. He, and he basically hands everything to Delenn. So it was. Uh, I thought. I thought that was a. That was a really great ending for that character. Because I've liked. I've really liked Narun as a character. I think he. he had, he's had some good moments in the show. He's. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. He's somebody. He's one of these villains that you. You almost want him to respect the protagonist. He's that kind of a villain. You're sort of yeah. hoping that he. He ultimately respects them and. And and he's not an easy person's. It's not easy to win his respect. Uh, so no, he's very prickly. But uh, and, he, and even when you've won his respect, it's hard to keep it. You know, it's like he just he's he's just continually kind of out there. But uh, yeah, I'd actually forgotten the details of this plotline from previous times I watched it. So 
you know, I, I didn't remember how the Minbari Civil War ended. And I, you know, when and when Narun took off in the last episode, I was like, man, is Narun really betraying Delenn? That doesn't seem like a very Narun thing. I was, I was like really disappointed in Narun, you know. So I was, I was, you know, and I, I, you know, and I had a feeling he'd come around, but I was like, I was still disappointed that it, that had been, you know, the idea that he'd, you know, been kind of doing something sneaky like that. So I was very happy when, uh, during this episode, when it all came together. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought this was a wonderful episode so much so that even though the next episode is maybe the more exciting episode, this is the one that I really remembered. This was the one that really stuck in my head yeah. with Narun's sort of sacrifice at the end. And and also the whole thing where they 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 re uh, they restructure the great or they reestablish the great council basically, but they do yeah. it and in, in, before it was balanced. This time they Delenn decides to have the worker cast sort of be the. I think they get like half of the seats on the council. They now, get so. they get five. There's nine seats. They get five, and the uh, other cast get two each. So, and so yeah. So I guess I had a number of questions about that. I guess that makes sense, provided that like actually represents the um, the how like what the proportions are of the population. Do you know what I mean? Um, well, I, I assume it does. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, it would be weird if it wasn't. But that that's my assumption. <laughs> but but I had been wondering about the worker cast because they haven't really been involved in any of these. Uh, any of these discussions yeah. and she sort of throws that in everybody's face in the episode she's like you've forgotten about the war the worker cast haven't you and and so yeah well, it is it is kind of weird on the show that you never there are no worker cast characters in the show ever it's like i, I don't know if it's an oversight or if it's because he's deliberately keeping them off the stage so you know for this move or whatever but, i think that was the yeah. purpose i think that was the purpose but but i also realized like wait a second i shouldn't be feeling guilty for that that was you straczynski that was you that was <laughs> you know concealing yeah. it from me but i thought it was yeah. like, i thought it was well done i thought it was well done that uh because i had that question but i never brought it up on the podcast do you know what i mean so it was never at the it was never high enough in my mind that i yeah that I actually raised the point. At least I don't think I did. And so I think, I think, I think that's a sign that he did it effectively that, uh, you know, the, the you know, you, you knew, you, you know, when Delenn said that I immediately knew, yeah, the worker cast hadn't been brought up at all, but, uh, yeah. you know, so, so I, I think, I, I think it worked. Um, and, uh, and again, I don't know, maybe I, I did, I didn't check the, uh, the lurkers guide. Maybe, maybe, maybe there was discussion of that in the, in the uh in the forums at the time and that and, and there was a little bit of meta stuff going on but i thought it was i thought i thought it was a uh uh i thought it was a nice and interesting end to the to the civil war plot line yeah yeah i agree it's very it's just, it's just a very satisfying episode all around i mean and i agree with you it's more the next episode is more exciting, but this this was the one that was the most emotionally involving of this block of episodes. And so the next episode is No Surrender, No Retreat. And what I remember from this one is uh, you have Proxima 3 and Sheridan basically decides because they're like Clark's committing war crimes and killing innocent people that I... Uh, yeah, and, and which Clark, actually did happen at the end of the previous episode. Yeah. Just uh, well, and also is Clark's basically doing it to draw out Sheridan? Like it's like an, like that's 
that's pretty that's much why he's question. doing it, right? Yeah, I um, would assume that's probably the reason, actually, yeah. Um, but Sheridan's like, okay, enough is enough, we're gonna go to war. Which I thought was kind of a boneheaded move. I thought, like, he, like, they don't have the resources yet, they should wait ten minutes and then go. <laughs> uh, but Sheridan kind of is impulsive, and so he decides to go, and and uh, and we get we get a really interesting space battle by uh, Proxima Three. We get the, this is like the first real, uh, I think, Babylon Five versus Earth Force uh, part of the war. Right. This is when we really get yeah. to see. And this is where I, this is where a lot of I feel like a lot of the different genre elements are now starting to gel. And there are times when it feels like Star Wars to me. There are times when it feels like Star Trek. There are times when it feels like other sources like the foundation series and stuff like that so i feel like Mm -hmm. but i feel like it's all really coming together and creating a world that i understand and to me that's a sign of good world building um yeah and and so but they've also done they did a great job with the budget because this space battle is probably one of the more convincing ones that we've seen Mm -hmm. Um, you know like like they like they clearly have been withholding funds to to (laughs) to to make sure that the, the the space battles that happen this season are believable um, and, and I think these are even more believable than the stuff that we saw with the shadow war and all that. This is like, uh, you know, in fact, I think I even had a comment where I thought that Zahadum looked a little bit chintzy when they first got there because they, yeah. they lead with like the weakest, uh, like the weakest set almost in order to, mm-hmm. to, to end with the chasm. And, and now I'm realizing, well, maybe this is why maybe, maybe it was a wise decision to sort of hold off because they have all these big battles they have to do in the, in the finale of the season. So, so I thought I thought this was a fun battle. I, I I like that you started to see ships turn over to share. Like he's been a he's been getting a lot of uh, generals switching to his side, and they're doing it in very dramatic ways. And I like that the the bad guy, the the general who's working for Earth, is the is the head of the hospital from Scrubs. Which you know, in, in when this was made, nobody could have foreseen that. I think because I think that came out a few years later, but. But but if you know anything about that character, it's, it really adds to the. Uh, it's exactly what I. It's exactly the side I would expect that guy to be on. I'll put it that way. Gotcha, hospital administrator type. But uh, yeah, I never watched Scrubs, so I, uh, I I the 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 that that's lost on me. But that's that is pretty entertaining to think about. But the uh, yeah, it's 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 a really well done battle. I mean, you know, I'm saying it's not as emotionally involving us the previous episode that's because the previous episode was really really good this is this is this is just a really really entertaining episode from beginning to end and it couldn't have been as emotionally involved unless they like killed sheridan or something i mean there would have been only so many places they could have gone to do that um, yeah, yeah. That, that, they've already killed sheridan once so they can't can't do that again so quickly but uh but but I also I liked the way that we saw the because one thing one thing about these science fiction shows is is they're they're all premised on having like fleets in space and so I don't know anything about you know naval officer structure and stuff like that but that seems they, they it seems like they draw a lot on 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 how you know like naval fleets work in the real world like that seems to be the mm-hmm. foundation of inspiration for how you would have space fleets working and sure. and I liked I, I liked the I liked the way things were playing out on the decks of the ships when, when captains were being removed uh, by mutinies and you know it, it, that that created a lot of tension 
throughout the episode <laughs> because then you're like, oh, like if the crew can suddenly take over, you, you never quite know exactly what's going to happen. And, <laughs> and so it, it was interesting seeing people be relieved from command, then seeing that situation being resolved. And, yeah. you know, so I uh, and, and I, I thought that it was um, I thought that they, they managed to make the battle entertaining, both in terms of the uh, the combat that was happening on screen, but also have interesting stuff happening on the decks. Um, yeah, the the, sh the ships weren't monoliths. They each 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 ship was kind of a, a small collection of characters that were yeah. quickly kind of sketched out. Yeah, and but uh, they did good work with that. Like the, like even like for, like like I don't know. Like at one point, like the, um, is it McDougan? Is that the name of the guy who? Uh, who yeah. So so he's he's like an old. It sounds like he's a he's basically. Here's what's interesting. The guy he was one of the guys who I think trained Sheridan at the Academy, yes. right? So what's yeah. really cool is in this battle, he meets that guy. But then in one of the later battles, he meets another guy who <laughs> also trained him, but doesn't shift over. I thought that was a really wonderful contrast. Um, but this is a guy who is, I think he was in charge of like uh, uh, some of the ethics classes that Sheridan had to take, which was sort of perfect because Sheridan was able to say, like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, this is wrong. You, you know, you, you're the one that taught me this was wrong. So um and the and the guy and, and i think that the choice he makes is he basically stays his hand he decides to with like not fire on sheridan's ship which is as good as taking sheridan's side uh, yeah. but it gives him some room to maneuver down the line but but uh one of his crew members points a gun in his head and the line that he tosses the guy is i always knew you wanted a promotion so <laughs> So there's, it's like you said, there are these characters that are quickly sketched out and you get a general sense of the history aboard the ship and what might have been going on that would lead to this. And it's all done very quickly, but effectively. Um, so, yeah, so yeah. I, I thought this was a, you know, again, exciting, uh, fun episode. And, and I liked the I liked the drama on the decks. Um, and and, and I, I don't know, I thought I thought it worked, uh, but it's. But it's kind of an interim episode. We're kind, you know, it's sort of like a necessary step before the bigger war. So, yeah, it's it's the, the it is just the beginning. But uh, of course, the other plot thread going through this one is this is the one where Londo approaches Jakar, and you know, go you know goes to Jakar's quarters for the first time and uh, and tries to get him on board for uh, for one to get him to sign the agreement. Uh, to support uh, Sheridan, but also, also to uh, just to try and <laughs> make some kind of truce between them and offer him a drink, and that 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 is just such a powerful scene, that initial scene, and and Jakar just completely rebuffs him. He gives him nothing in that initial scene. So, so that scene freaked me out. All that whole plotline freaked me out because of all the things we've seen in the foreshadowing of what happens with Londo. And we know about the, um, you know, those weird guys that latch onto your shoulder. And, and so when he was giving him that drink, I was thinking of the movie Leviathan. And <laughs> I was wondering, cause, cause it seemed like a direct, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a stretch because it is kind of like an odd movie to sort of think about in that scene. But uh -huh. I was wondering if Londo had already been turned to these things, and he and and maybe maybe it was like Leviathan. It's in the vodka. Do you know what I mean? Uh, um, it is. It is. It is noteworthy that uh, when Jakar Jakar does 
kind of compromise and have a drink with him, but it's like he has his own drink at the bar next to yeah. him. It's, uh, he, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't drink anything that comes out of Londo's bottle. Well, we, we've so. already established Londo's a poisoner. We know this. Um, there's that whole weird thing with the shoulder people going on. I don't know what their names are yet, but they're a weird parasite. And uh, I don't know, parasite, body horror, science fiction, I'm thinking Leviathan. So I thought that I thought that when they gave him that drink, I was meant to wonder if there was something like that in there. Again, it might be a stretch because there's so many things my brain is piecing together from what yeah. they've been foreshadowing. But uh, I don't know. I got I got really nervous for Jakar, and uh, uh, I was, and, and then when Londo looked at the drink at the end, even though, like you say, Jakar had his own drink poured, I was still like, why is he examining the container? Like, what's going on? Like, you know what I mean? I know I, now, now that I've seen the whole season, I know. It wasn't what I thought it was, but I was really worried this episode. That was that was making me incredibly nervous, and and I gotta say those 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 shoulder parasite guys. Eventually, we'll be calling them the Drock or whatever their proper name is. I don't know yet, but uh, I don't know if they're connected to the Drock. But they're they're freaking me out. <laughs> and Straczynski's doing a very good job of making me worry about them at every like every shadow. I, my brain is filling in those creatures. So, so I think, I think again, I think the, I think the, the, the body horror and, and, and the, and the psychological horror of the stuff going on with Garibaldi, it's really effective. It's very effective. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. And of course, Garibaldi, this is the episode where he leaves Babylon five, goes to Mars and, uh, like this, I talked about it earlier. This is where he has the conversation with one of the, security guys and it's like oh well you guys are requisitioning all your own equipment you know and that kind of thing you know you know you've taken over military equipment what's legal about that trying to compare it to what he's doing well, but uh what i like too is that we've always had these like dips in du noir with garibaldi because of yeah. um because that's just sort of his thing and it's and but it's always been like like little flirtations here and there with the the genre but now that he's been programmed it's like he fully commits to the noir aesthetic <laughs> every time we see him and i really like yeah. that because they, because not because it doesn't come out of nowhere because they've been establishing that you know well into the beginning of the series um so it yeah. just, it just works and it, and it and it makes the melodrama of noir not seem as ridiculous cuz i can sort of see how Garibaldi's brain would be drawing on that material in order to justify these things to himself. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's really interesting. And it, it, uh, and it also, oh man, there, there's a really famous horror story. I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, it's, it's like a noir horror story, uh, that I'm reminded of, uh, and, I'm, and the name is escaping me, so unfortunately we'll have to pick it up next episode. But but I know there's a story that I think that they're sort of that the the Garibaldi line I think is a is is a reference to. Um, huh. But after uh, the podcast, I'll I'll look it up and I'll mention it to you, and you can see if I'm crazy or not. Um, and we'll yeah. make the point of bringing it up or not next podcast. But but I'm finding yeah. I'm finding that stuff very intriguing. Um, yeah, me too. And I, I'm thinking back to something I said earlier. In our, you know, in, in possibly, I think the first season of, you know, when we were discussing it, and I wasn't thinking about these later seasons when I said it, but it makes total sense, which is that, which is is that, you know, basically, 
I was talking how I feel like Garibaldi is this guy who is a really good detective who's kind of made it to police chief, but he's better suited to being a detective. And his kind of comments in some of these episodes, but no, I'm happy with what I'm doing now. This is what I want to do. I'm glad I, I left that position. And it's like, yeah, it's like Garibaldi is kind of more suited to being yeah, just the, the freewheeling detective. That's kind of that's kind of what's in his head more than being being the boss running everything. By the way, the the book that I was thinking of, I just looked it up, was Falling Angel. I don't know if that rings a bell for you, but um, uh, there was a, a movie bell. with Robert De Niro based on it called Angel Heart. Um, yeah, that rings a bell definitely. Um, but I'm, <laughs> and it's been a while since I've read the book, but I, but it, it's one of these things where I think the main character doesn't really know who he is. And so that's what, and, it, and it's kind of got a noir vibe. Um, and, I, you know, the character's name is Harry Angel, I think. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I could, I've seen the movie. I haven't read the book. But so. I, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about any comparison. But, uh, but yeah, there, there's definitely uh, an element of that going and, on. And I don't think we get to the end of the, when When does the Garibaldi uh, storyline complete? Is it? at the very end of the season or is it uh like the next couple of episodes i can't say i i it's been i mean it's been 15 years since i watched oh, this okay season, so i i have i i i have only the haziest recollection of this garibaldi plot line at okay. this point. but uh but yeah but either way uh i thought the stuff with with jacar and londo was Again, maybe for reasons they weren't intending, but I was I was very gripped by the by that storyline and the battle yeah. in space work, and I like where the Garibaldi stuff is going. And, uh, and yeah, overall, uh, the, oh, go ahead. Okay, I'm I'm enjoying the Garibaldi stuff much more now than I did back when I first watched the show in the '90s because I hadn't really dug into into like noir or hard boiled detective stuff. Like now, I'm. A huge Dashiell Hammett fan, for example. It's like I hadn't read any Dashiell Hammett when this series first premiered, and you know, it's just, I've just kind of really, it's it's become a genre I really like. Whereas it was something that was just it didn't didn't mean a lot to me when I first watched the show, and it, it works much better having that investment. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a it's a genre that fits science fiction well. Like even Asimov, mm-hmm. like Caves of Steel is very noirish. He is going, yeah, that's you know, true. Um, you know, I, I think I think it it fits because it's a um, I don't know. You you can do a lot of urban stuff in a science fiction setting. And Babylon Five is it really is kind of like a city in space. So, mm-hmm. uh, so the the noir thing works there. And then when they go to Mars, it works even better because you got the red planet. So it's like you got the you got this <laughs> this. It's a really good use of the red hue of the planet. I think. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so yeah, I, I don't know. I thought I think I think it fits. I think if and, and it and it definitely like I'm, I'm like as we're watching this, and I know we've had conversations after the podcast and stuff, but I'm definitely like, oh, I need to read some Philip K. Dick and things like that. Like I, there's definitely oh, yeah. there's definitely source material that I'm either only a little familiar with or not familiar with that I that I really want to go and read. Uh, you know, Alfred Bester, if you haven't, that's a uh, that's something you definitely yeah. you want. Know, you know, you know, we'll have to do. We'll have to compile a um, we'll have to compile a list of must read Babylon Five source material, and occasionally try to like we don't have to do it all at once, but maybe occasionally, you know, read a novel here or there, and then talk about it on the podcast. That might be an interesting yeah. Discussion. I'd be completely on board for that, and I mean, I 
I haven't read, like Alfred Bester, for example, I haven't read since the 90s. And I, I haven't really read any Philip K. Dick since the 90s. So both of those would be things I could go back into fresh again. Okay, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll try to come up with like a list of things that we should probably read. I'm sure there must be like a master list of Babylon 5 source material on the net somewhere. Yeah, um, well, I can come up with a number just off the top of my head, too. So <laughs> I think, I think that'll, uh, that'll, that'll be an easy project to put together. Okay, but yeah, so I'm. I this is this is uh, you know I I I think this so far we're on ep- so we're on we're on to episode sixteen now, which is we're getting into the final swing of the season. This is an amazing season, in my opinion. I know that I I said that they couldn't match last season because I thought that was going to be the plateau. I I'm I've been asking myself, do I like season three or four better? I, it's a really hard thing to answer because they're very different seasons. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, I feel like this is way more exciting, um, and and I, I I think that season four is really a, again it's an odd season because it does kind of it almost feels a little more like the foundation series in some ways because they really are sort of advancing the plot at a at a more accelerated rate, mm-hmm. but that's that's fine because they've done all this stuff to to lead there so it it, it works and uh, um. And I, and I feel like I feel like these are threads that at a certain point you have to sort of just resolve the threads that you've that you've you've established. And so, yeah. I, and I, I like where it all goes. I, I think I think it's uh, I, we get a lot of interesting stuff through these episodes and the coming episodes especially, which I'm eager to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the comparing seasons thing is tricky with this show because it is such a carefully constructed one that every season builds on and relates to the other season. It's not like you know, like sitcoms, you can pull one season out and go, oh, this is the good season. Just You can just watch this one, and it's great. Yeah. But, I mean, this show is, it's one single thing. And I, and I wouldn't want every season of Babylon 5 to be like this one. It just works for this no. particular season. So I, I, I just I just think, I, I was, I was exp- what I was expecting with Babylon 5 is we get to season 3, and that would be the high mark. And then it would just kind of be a steady decline, you know, just by the mm-hmm. nature of how difficult it is to manage a good show. <laughs> um I even found that I found that it's been this is like maybe like a little I'm like a like if 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 and I know nobody can see this but if, if season <laughs> three is ten feet off the ground I think this season is twelve feet off the ground do you know what I mean it's yeah I feel like it's 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 a it's a slightly better season than the prior season and just in terms of where I you know how invested I am in. Uh, yeah, the characters just keep getting deeper. I mean, it's like all the conversations you've had about Sheridan. It's like it's 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 you know season after season of him developing has uh, has paid off. And this Garibaldi, it's like you know, I mean, yeah, Garibaldi's just a really rich character at this point in the show. But I also feel like it's it's character development. Like I hear that word thrown around all the time, especially by writers on TV shows when they're asking ask questions about the series that they're working on but yeah. i feel like people don't really mean anything by it anymore they just kind of throw it, oh yeah <laughs> there's character development in the show because the guy lost an arm or the guy you know uh or so you know I, I had something really drastic happen to the character so that was like character but that's not what's going on i mean there are drastic things yeah. but but the interesting character development is when they kind of just probe a little bit more deeply and extract mm-hmm. like an interesting but they're not doing it in like the boring way that you always see on regular like like character development now means okay we're going to have 45 minutes dedicated to this character 
exploring this aspect of this personnel of their personality and yeah. i find that mind-numbingly boring this mm-hmm. is different this is it just you just sort of start to realize over time oh sheridan's a little bit of a prick when it comes to this particular thing and that's kind yeah. of an interesting character development um yeah it's it's development's the wrong term i'll agree no it's, it's i know it's, it's the right more, term it's more about where we know these people better yeah. is the really important thing i think no i think it's the right term what i'm saying is okay. i think i think people have been throwing that term around to mean something slightly different and yeah and what it means now is like oh we have a really boring episode where something horrible happens to the character <laughs> do you know, like like this is well, this Oh, go ahead. A lot of times, too. A lot of times, too. A thing I hate with character development in TV shows. A lot of time, it means we're going to change this character, and you know, a lot of times it'll be a positive change. But it's like it's it's character. Like you know, I mean, in comedy shows, you you get character development now, and often it ruins the sitcom because the yeah. sitcom has this careful balance of characters bouncing off each other, and they decide, oh well, this character's rough edges are going to get you know, he's going to yeah. become a nicer guy, and over time. Over time, the show loses all its yeah. edge and it stops being funny. And and whereas with this, the character because it is a planned five year arc, when there is character development, it it makes sense. It's not just it's not the show slowly losing shape over time. Yeah, and it and it's not these artificial. The character is suddenly changed and different. You know what I mean? Like Sheridan, yeah. like like I'm just gonna give a spoiler, but at a certain point in the show, Sheridan's tortured horribly. Um, mm-hmm. You know by the um, by the earth gov people and it affects him but it's not like a it, it's not it doesn't become this thing that we have to like i don't know it, it, we don't lose sheridan in the process if that makes sense yeah. um it adds to yeah. him and i i feel like i feel like a lot of times character development now is really just a product of well what am i taking away from the character um mm-hmm. and 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 again i that wouldn't be a problem but my issue with with whatever like like okay whenever i see uh a mo- a review of a show where they talk about character development or an interview with a writer where they talk about character development inevitably it's the most boring episode that i've seen to that <laughs> point in the series do you know what i mean and yeah. it's never fun it's never it's it never it never adds anything to the show that that makes the show better uh it, it's almost like the it's almost like it's just there so the writer has a chance to talk about their character development skills, if that makes sense. And I feel like with th- with this show, when there's character development, it goes in multiple directions. Sometimes they're adding something to the character. Sometimes they're taking something away. Sometimes yeah. they're just examining more closely something that was already present in the character that we didn't realize and drawing our attention to it. Um, yeah. And that's the stuff that I'm really liking. That's the stuff where it's like, oh, they're highlighting the fact that Sheridan isn't perfect, that he's got this flaw or that, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. I, I just am finding this uh, again. I, I, one thing that the show and I, I hate to sound like a broken record is really emphasizing for me is I feel like I've really I don't like a lot of the shows that are out there today that I that I'm forced to watch or I force myself to watch. And and part of the reason is I think a lot of shows are trying to emulate some of the things that Babylon Five did, but they're doing it in the wrong way. Um, and and other shows too. They're obviously it's not the only show that that did things like this. But but it, I don't know. I I think sometimes it's good to go back to that point in time where where things started to change and yeah. and and say what did we throw out with the bathwater that that we shouldn't have thrown out that made things worse. But what what changes were good. 
and and I'm kind of seeing some of that with Babylon Five, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's still a lot of old TV DNA in Babylon Five, on top of being an innovative show. And I think a lot of the old TV is actually good in this show. You know, I mean, it's because it, I agree. I at the time. You know, at the time, I was ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It was just like, oh, I'm tired of uh, I'm tired of this formulaic method of TV where every episode resets and everything. But, 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 you know, I mean, not so much in the season, but on the whole, Babylon Five maintains the episodic structure a lot of the time, and that I, I am I I long for epi- you know individual episodic structure in shows yeah. now because. It's like, oh, a satisfying episode. That's such a rarity <laughs> these days. It's a complete story in one hour. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I would definitely say people, if anybody is sort of like kind of getting bored with thing, the way things are going in television, this is a good series to just sit down and watch. and Because, uh, I don't know, I'm finding it's a helpful lens to sort of figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so we've been going on for a long time. I'm going to end it here because we have... Uh, we actually, I think we have over an hour of uh, of, of podcast today. Uh, <laughs> um, but we'll be back on and we'll do the rest of the season. We're going to bring a special guest on as well to to talk with us about uh, about the, the later episodes. Probably, I don't know, how are we going to do the last episodes? Are we going to do the last three or the last two or two and then one? What do you think is the best? The best end? breakdown here for yeah. the remaining episodes? Uh it might be better if you call it because you've watched them already and I dyke, you know. I feel like we should do the finale in two parts and we should have that special guest on in both of them. And that we should do uh, the last two episodes and then do the final episode. Because the final episode is very interesting, but it's very unique. It's a, yeah, it's a very unique it episode. Is. and I That is one I distinctly remember. And so I think I think it would be helpful to, to do it that way. So... So yeah, so we'll be back on, and this Friday we're doing Dragon Inn, again classic King Who movie, and mm-hmm. uh, we should have. And also, I've been posting uh, stream uh, podcast recordings of my Lady Eighty Seven campaign, which I think people, if you if you want to know uh, what Ogre Gate is about, it's a great great way to find out. Um, I don't sex it up. I don't. I don't like. I don't do anything to make it. Uh, different than my regular games so it's really you don't have of, animators come in and like no, no, you know what i mean the is episode? what i mean is the game the I'm games just... sound like a like a bunch of people playing a game uh, i know and so all the plus and minuses that go along with that but i think the good thing about <laughs> it is you get a sense of of how the game can be used and you know like what you know at least what i'm thinking when i uh when i put the material out so uh and it's also a preview because lady 87 that's going to be turned into a module so uh, so people will be getting a hints of what's to come. Uh, so yeah, so uh, anyways, we'll be back on and we will talk to you later.
Yeah!